0: Have you ever wondered what goes into designing a game? You can find out by checking out the brand new documentary, The Game Designers Movie. To find out more, go to thegamedesignersmovie.com.
1: How you doing? I've got a big cup of Joe from the
0: Central Park and I am ready for rolling dice and taking names. Today the guys will review Bargain Quest, Watergate, and Regusa. They also bring back flying squirrels. Could you be more excited? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 179, entitled, I'll Be There For You. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. And Tony, when I look at this title, I gotta know, is it the Bon Jovi version, or is it the the Friends version? It's the Friends version. I'll be there for you.
1: Exactly. So, it's from The Pretenders, of course, and uh, when my daughter moved to Tulsa- The Pretenders? I thought it was the Rembrandts. Oh, the Rembrandts. I'm sorry. I looked it up just a few minutes ago. That's how quickly my mind went. But yeah, no. So when my daughter moved to Tulsa, and this was one of the few things that she was, she's really into it, watching the Friends. And that's what she
0: was watching on um, Plex. So wait a minute. Has Did she not watch Friends growing up? No, I guess she wouldn't have, would she? She wouldn't have been born, dude. Well, no, I mean, she was, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Isn't she in the 80s? Isn't Friends in the 80s? No, it's in the 90s. I thought it was in the 80s. It's in the 90s now. Okay, it, it was the 90s. So, hold on. so it, now you gotta make me look up.
1: Keep talking. I wanna see when it actually. But came e- on. either way, if it was in the 90s, it wasn't until 96.
0: So when she was born. So I don't think she would have remembered it. First episode was September 22nd, 1994, and it ran for 10 seasons. For ten years, up until two thousand four. Wow.
1: So exactly. So from ninety four to two thousand and four, our children, our first children, were born in ninety six. Yes. Quick, do some math there. For eight years, I don't think they would have watched Friends. I think that might have been too adult for them.
0: Yeah. No, you're you're right. I, it's just. I guess I think it's funny because uh, my kids have gone back and watched shows from the eighties. For example, my youngest, who is um, sixteen, has rewatched. Frasier so many times. That's like his all-time favorite show. My kids go through cycles. It's Frasier, then they'll move over and watch 30 Rock, and then they'll watch Seinfeld and and they literally cycle through those three series all year long. And every once in a while, they'll drop in uh, Parks and Rec. But it's those three over and over again. So
1: I've got to ask. So there's two things that I find that I will watch that just crack me up every time. The One of them is, of course, Tim Conway's The Dentist skit with Harvey Corman. That sure. just cracks me up. Okay. The next one is in Frasier where Niles bleeds. He's ironing. He cuts himself and he keeps falling out. You know which
0: one I'm talking about too. I, I think it's like at the very beginning of the end of yes. the show, it's, it's just it's him by himself. Right?
1: Yeah. And he keeps falling out. He looks at his finger. He falls out. his ironing. He sets
0: the iron. It's all. Oh,
1: that, that that is classic stuff there.
0: It is. And it was funny. We were watching 30 rock the other day and we were, I, we, we were talking about how the comedy is so different. And Frazier. It's a lot about that. It's the sight gags. It's the physical comedy that was, it was so good. And some of the, obviously they have some really funny lines too. Mm-hmm. In 30 rock, it is just in the writing. It's, it's the jokes themselves that literally 30 rock. There's a joke like every 30 seconds and you got to pay attention. Are you just going to totally miss it? Because another thing too, in Frasier, they have the laugh track joke said laugh, right? And 30 Rock, no laugh tracks, So literally, you know, they just keep popping them right off. You got to kind of catch them as you go. So two great comedies, but totally different in how they're done. And say I miss 30 Rock. I need to go back. I miss,
1: Rebecca was watching Parks and Rec, and I did sit down. Mm-hmm. She goes, she goes, Dad, you are so, and I forget the guy who, he's on the Sling commercials.
0: Oh, yeah. Is it uh,
1: Ron, Ron? It's Ron. Yeah. Mm. She goes, you are so him. Uh, so I got to go back and watch it now. That's not a bad thing. I like him. Cause like where he's sitting there and they won't stamp the paper, the one she was watching. And he grabs the stamp and he starts stamping the papers cause he gets so impatient with them. She goes, see that's you. And I'm like, okay, all right. but the reason why I bring this up and I mentioned already moved the little one to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I spent two days driving a budget 16 foot truck from Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way to Tulsa, and we had a wonderful time. Can I tell you that, Marty? I wish you were with
0: me in that truck. <laughs> so that's Tulsa, Oklahoma. For those who aren't familiar with the United States, that's about in the middle of the country, right? So you're on the east side, and you drove about to the middle, right?
1: Right. So over 1,000 miles, over a two-day period, through some beautiful—drove Ooh, drove through Vanessa's home state, mm-hmm. drove through Alabama, Mississippi, drove, yep, yep uh, drove through Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, made it into Arkansas or Arkansas, and also into Oklahoma. And people would say, well, why didn't you just go North Carolina to Tennessee, to Arkansas, to Oklahoma? Because I wasn't driving a 16-foot truck through the mountains of North Carolina. I'm not well, doing now,
0: it. Well, I-40 is not that bad. You're not really driving through the mountains, per se.
1: No, you're not. But, but it, it only added 20 minutes to the drive, and if oh. you're breaking it up across two days— Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta's bad enough, but I could just see the brakes giving out on this truck. But the best part of this was the fact, and the other reason why we got the Friends theme here is, so she takes the couch out of the bonus room, and we get it loaded up in the truck. Everything's ready. We make it to Tulsa. By the way, oh my gosh, it's hot. Holy cow. (laughs) In Oklahoma? It's, it's a dry heat, but that's what everybody kept telling me. But anyway, it was 98 degrees on move-in day. Ooh, woo, I'm telling you. And they, they were the apartment was kind enough. She's on the sixth floor. You bring everything in on the um, lower lobby. So seven flights. I'm like, oh, this is great. We're using the elevator. They locked the elevator down for us. So we're unloading the truck. It's time to get the couch up yep. to the apartment. Here we go. So we put that couch. We turn that couch. We try to get it in the elevator. Ooh. Didn't go that way. Mm. Okay, let's turn it. Let's try to stand it up a little bit. Let's shimmy it in. Mm. It's not going. It's just a little too long. Maybe I don't have it. Guy comes up and tries to help us. He -hmm. says, well, you know, when I put my couch on, I had to take the legs off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, okay. If you'll note, this one doesn't have legs about these two little inch wheels. It doesn't have any.
0: Wait a minute. What floor is this on?
1: Uh, Her apartment's on six. Oh, joy. And we're on the lower lobby, so seven flights, just keeping count. So I'm foreshadowing here. But anyway, so next time we're still working, another guy comes up. and He says, well, I'll help you. I said, well, thank you for helping me. He starts kicking the
0: couch trying to get into the (laughs) elevator. (laughs) Anyway, he's kicking the couch like that's going to do anything. I'm like, well, I appreciate the help,
1: but stop. He's (laughs) like, well, you only need a few inches. I'm like, it ain't going to go anywhere. So we carry that couch up seven flights of stairs.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. How long is this couch?
1: I tell you what, it's a little bit too long for a normal elevator. I can lay down on it.
0: So it's over six feet long. It's
1: over six feet long. We're carrying it up the flight of stairs. And on the first two flights... She and I are joking.
0: Pivot! 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 Hold on, no, that's, from, that's from the show, right? Friends? That's right. Here we go. Pivot! 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 Pivot!
1: Pivot! Pivot! But by the third flight, it wasn't funny anymore. Mm mm. Oh, but we got that couch up there. So that was our experiences of moving the little one into Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if anybody's listening to the show still, and you're in that area, <laughs> send me a note. Because, you know, you always like to try to have people that you can contact in case something happens to a family member.
0: You know what I'm saying? Since you mentioned it, just before I forget about it, have you ever seen the bloopers of that scene with the couch? No. From France? Dude, go watch it. It's the funniest thing. They can't get through it. Because uh, what's his name? Sh- uh, Schwimmer. I can't think of his first name. Uh, David Schwimmer. Yeah. Dave Schwimmer, who, who plays Ross, is doing that pivot, pivot, and the rest of them are just dying laughing the whole time. Y- you got to go watch the bloopers. It's good. Okay, I'll
1: go do that. Oh, when I got back from Oklahoma, guess what showed up the next day? What? Our ship naked Gen Con game box, fifty wait, wait, pounds wait of games. Wait a minute.
0: Our sh- <laughs> that's that sounds really weird. Our ship naked. It, so <laughs> let's clarify <It's> this <laughs> the company that we use to ship our games is called ship naked correct that is correct okay all right i just want to make sure i had that right so yeah when we went to gen con we got a load of games and tony's like no we are not going to try to get this on the train and for the past couple the years the train when, when wow, did we take train. the train oh my gosh Oh, I do that. I would love to do that. Can we next year? Can we take the train to Gen Con? Oh. It it'd only take two days. Uh, you ain't kidding. You would think it would be quicker than that, but it, it's not. All right. So wait, for the past couple of years, there's been a shipping service that's been offered called ship naked, where basically they'll help ship your games for you. So Tony, you and I decided this year, let's just do that because each year we're fretting how much luggage you're taking and everything. So we, we got a bunch of games and on, gosh, what was it? Saturday afternoon? Is that where we mm-hmm. went over there? Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. They, gave, they said, just give us the biggest box. And we filled that sucker up, threw it on the scale, 50 pounds worth of games. And I went, holy crap, how much is this going to cost? Oh, that'll be $59. Dude, $59 for 50 pounds is crazy good. Yeah, quick math. That's just over a dollar a pound. You can't get ground beef for that. Oh, well, heck no. So, I mean, I don't know how, how much would that have cost FedEx? Hundreds? Over a hundred? It had it had to be a, a lot. Now, now, granted was, we had to wait, was it about two weeks? It wasn't bad, two weeks to get it? No,
1: I mean, we arrived, uh, got back home on the 5th of August, I believe, and I got
0: back home on the 13th, oh. 12th or 13th. So, yeah, seven days, about a week. Yeah, and it's because what they do is they don't ship them from there. I believe they load them up and take them somewhere to their warehouse, and then they pack it up. They did it. They, they did it. You sent me a pictures. They did a good job. I mean, we had that thing packed to the gills already, but they put some packing paper in there, right, to kind of help fill it out.
1: Yeah, they did. The only thing that you should, and this is what people have said problems with them in the past is their games get dented because they don't cushion the sides. Yeah. But I, I didn't see any damage on ours, and I don't blame them as so much as I would the, the delivery, you know. Right. But I'll tell you something. I'll Keep keep going. I, I, I'll remember this later.
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I was just going to say it was it was just a fantastic service. So if you ever go to Gen Con, uh, there's a booth right outside. And Let me tell you, go on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Do not wait until Sunday because there was a huge line on Sunday. So anyway, so, yeah, we got off all of our games. We'll mention what a couple of them are, but Tony's oh. dying to say something over here. Oh,
1: Lord. So I get home. And um, Donna's still in Tulsa, so I get home, And this box of the games. You know how most of the times your packages are put near your door? Sure. Not this box. It's in the middle of my sidewalk. It's like the guy came up and
0: said, forget this crap. (laughs) Wait a minute. He just left it. I mean, what about if it rained? (laughs) It would have gotten wet. Oh, my God. I would have been mad then if
1: that had happened. Oh, me too. Not like we haven't had afternoon thunderstorms around here in the Carolinas, but... Oh, yeah, I, I came home. I'm like, why is it? And I, f- I picked it up. And I'm saying, OK, I understand why, but I don't appreciate it.
0: <laughs> I understand why, <laughs> but I don't appreciate it. So, dude, I can't even remember. What's some of the stuff that we brought? I know uh, one of the games we're super excited to play, we hope to play soon, is City of the Big Shoulders, yes. which is a heavy economic game uh, that we're looking forward to play. But what's what was some other goodies in there that we got? Well, our Funkoverse, which I'm still oh. enjoying. We, yep. That was a surprise, dude. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when we when we were asked to go try out the Funkoverse, which is basically it's a uh, it's a uh, it's not it's not it's a tactical fighting game basically right. uh, on a board, but you're playing like a little miniature Funko. So I thought, oh geez, this is not going to be any good, and I was wrong. The system is actually pretty darn good uh, with, with how it works. It's a lot deeper than what I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm excited. I was um, some friends of Rebecca were stopping through the house, even though she's not here. Obviously, my house is still a place for people to crash, but they played games. So that was nice. But I was showing them because one of them was a big Harry Potter fan. Mm.
0: And they went gaga over the Funko versus Harry Potter. I know. It, I think the coolest mechanic that they have and, and uh, gosh, I don't know if we're going to f- formally review this. We're just talking about it right now. It doesn't matter. So there's one system that applies towards everything, right? Uh, they're, they're, they have a DC, they have Harry Potter, they have Golden Girls, which people love, but all the rules are basically the same between all those, it's just the characters are different. The cool mechanic that I like is this thing called basically a cooldown mechanic. Uh, when you take a special action, there's a, a board that uh, you put an icon or a token on to indicate that you've already taken this particular action and you can't use it again until it comes off the cooldown board. So every round you move your token down one spot till it comes off the board. And then that token's available again to use for another ability. I really like that. It really reminded me in the you, YouTube, Tony, I believe the City of Heroes card game. Which had mm-hmm. the mechanic where you do an action and you t- and you turn the card, and then at the end of each turn it turns back uh, ninety degrees, and then when it's right up again you can use it. It's the same sort of cooldown thing.
1: Really enjoyed that. Um, another one that was in there, Era was in there from Plan B.
0: Oh, I cannot wait to play. I see so many people playing that right now, which is basically like it's not a roll and write, but it's a draw and build, <laughs> like draw cards, <laughs> or is it a roll and build or something like that? Ah. Uh. But anyway, I no yeah, yeah. I, I I can't wait to, to to get that one too. Gee, what else what else is in there? Ecos. Oh, which we got to play there. Brand new games will be coming out later on from uh, AEG. We played a quick game of it there at Gen Con. It was late one night. We need to we need to get it and try it again. To us, we said it was like a a, a little bit deeper version of Rise of Augustus. Because mm-hmm. you're drawing things out of a bag in order to activate cards. So uh we definitely want to try that again.
1: One I can't wait to get to the table for you guys is because we saw this from Cryptozoic, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is that? Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards, a deck building game. Because I enjoyed Epic Spell Wars, the, the original one. We had so much fun with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, wait a minute, what was, what, what was one of the cards? Was it Cthulhu Testicles? What was it? Yes, it was, yes. It was something <laughs> like that. It was like, it is just stupid crude humor but the the deck building mechanic is really cool where you try to put the abilities together to make these really cool abilities and when you when you cast the spell you got to say the long name because it's just really crazy name at the end yeah dang i forgot about all those games we picked up there that's cool and why
1: am i telling you I mean, they could stay in my collection but no some of them are going to come back to yours now one that uh, i picked up personally um well, Seven Wonders Armada—I've been mm. dying to get that because I, lo- I still Seven Wonders. I always enjoy playing that. Look forward to playing that game. Um, just add to the another expansion. Like I need another expansion, but I do need another expansion for that game. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember uh, the love letter. The new uh, love letter was in
0: there. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And I think I'm about r- out of steam there. I think that was about it because the Funko verse and um, Big Shoulders took up a lot of room. E- Echoes and. Um, and Era takes up a Era. lot of room.
0: Right. Uh, one thing I can't wait to get to the table is a lot of people have been talking about foodies from Come On or Simon. Um, a lot of people said that's a that's a really fun game, so I, w- I really want to uh, try that out. I actually that wasn't in the box. I actually threw that in the suitcase.
1: The other one, the last one, um, which you probably won't get your dirty paws on, is uh, the new Zombie Side Invaders.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. We,
1: we'll yeah, play that. Yeah. I love Zombie Side. I wish we had more time to play that.
0: Well then, I guess uh, I'm really interested in that second edition that they announced, the Zombie Side uh, Second Edition, which is I asked is going to be streamlined. and they went, no, it's actually the other way. There's going to be a little bit more meat to it. Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be more of a more of a thinky game a little bit more stuff going on which i thought okay that's really cool as opposed to just you know move and roll so so once again
1: um if you have the opportunity and you want to ship your games home and you're at gen con because that's the opportunity that you need here ship naked got it to us quick the games were not damaged they were actually well packaged they were repackaged well packed very tight and the only issue we had was uh, the delivery guy left it on my sidewalk.
0: Oh, one game that wasn't in there uh, that we just played recently because we didn't get it at Gen Con. We got it another place. <laughs> it was Wow. Uh, too many games. Where are you going? Where I have you? no idea. So last week we got to play Bargain Quest from Renegade Games. And this was a game that I was very interested in playing strictly based on the theme. This is a card game where you're playing as a merchant and okay, let's let's just set this up. You know when you play like a role playing game, and you have your different characters that are rogues and fighters and stuff. And what's one thing that you always do after a fight? You always go back to town. You take the gold that you got and you go buy some new equipment, right? You want to get some equipment. You want to upgrade your stuff. The theme of this game is you aren't playing as the adventurers. No, 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 no. You are playing as the shop owners that the adventurers will come visit and buy your goods in order to go defeat monsters. It's that twist that I thought, okay, I really want to try this out.
1: And it was very successful on Kickstarter. Very Yes,
0: successful. it was. like Was it like two Kickstarters?
1: Two Kickstarters. I think the second one was over 300K or something mm-hmm. like that. It was insane. But yes, when you introduce this, I'm like, okay, I like this. Because you're absolutely right. Every RPG we've played... On the computers, on the Switch, you're always going. I mean, even to me playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, oh, what's in this shop? What am I buying yep. here? How are they going to entice me in? I mean, shoot, even Zelda has people standing out there hawking the wares, which, by the way, is one of the abilities where one of the employees
0: you can buy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So at the very beginning of the uh, the rounds, you're going to be drafting cards. You're going to be drafting items that you're looking to sell. And you're going to have a handful of cards. And then what you do is you put one of those items in your display window. And that's how you try to attract people there. There's certain items that are fit for like rangers or or fighters or mages. And those are the type of people that you're going to attract. You see on the table that there's like four adventurers and they have an icon indicating what type of adventurers they are. So you're trying to put something in the window to entice them Into your store. And then uh, the person who had the highest inspiration, like in their display or something like that, gets to draw the first adventurer in. And eventually everybody has an adventurer in their store. And then you try to sell your goods to them.
1: Now, you, of course, being the shopkeeper in this town, you know the big baddie that's trying to hurt your town. Mm -hmm. So you know what you got to do to get them because you've seen people come back on their shields. You know, people have come back wounded from previous rounds. So you know how you need to equip them. So that's. One thing you need to keep in mind, but if it's in your shop window, you can't sell sell it to them. Now, Mari, that I thought was a very unique mechanic because that gave you that tug of war. In order to go first and get the right hero who has the most money, because money is a portion of victory points. Every 10 was a victory point. You need to make sure that you go first. And so the best equipment, of course, is going to entice sooner. So you can't put crap
0: in your window and expect people to come to your store. (laughs) Right. Right. But then here's the thing, Tony, is as you're drafting, you see who's going to be coming into your store. Well, Mm -hmm. the stuff that you're drafting is like, are like shields and weapons and spells, but those can only go to certain types of classes of hero. So once they get in your store, they will only buy those items that they can actually take. Like, I'm not going to be able to give a spell to a fighter. And I'm not going to give a sword to a mage sort of deal. And then there's a cost associated with each one of these items. And however much money the ca- the uh, adventurer has, he'll give you that. And then you equip them with things to block damage, basically shields to increase their defense and stuff to increase their attack. And then you send them on their way in order to attack the monster.
1: It's real quick resolution. The monster, everybody is battling the monster. Your adventure party meets up in the tavern and heads off. And they go battle the monster or whoever it is. And based on the number of hits, equal to the number of players will defeat the monster. So do I hit him? He has a set strength. And does he hit me back? If he hits you back, your char- that character will die. And you go from there. And hey, you collected his money. You don't care what happens to him. So what if he
0: bought crap from <laughs> well, you? Well, no, actually you do. Because if oh, you successfully okay. hit, you're going to get a victory point. If you successfully block, you're going to get a victory point. And if they survive... They're going to get winnings. So if they survive the fight, they're going to get a certain amount of money. If they defeat the monster, they get even more money and that money carries over to the next round. So you are trying to keep them alive because if you can't successfully attack and successfully uh, defend, that's two points for you, man. That's true. But the thing is, like Breath of the Wild, their stuff breaks. Yes, because after the fight, they lose all their equipment and have to go back to the shop. Well, it's just like in the RPGs. Yeah. Oh, you busted your equipment. Let's go. You got some money from going out there and questing. Bring it back and buy some more stuff. And then your goal is to defeat three monsters. And once three monsters are defeated the person with the most victory points and then victory points can also come from money too. basically wins the game. It's one of those things that moves sort of quick. I almost wished it had moved a little bit quicker. I was enjoying my time playing it. But I almost wish it was taking us, well, I guess it's going to take it the most 12 rounds because mm-hmm. we're playing with four people. You automatically do a damage every round. If nobody else damages him, he'll at least take one damage. So right. you're going to get th- three monsters, four, so at least 12 rounds. I wish it was about three rounds shorter. It was staying a little long on the table. And there's a lot of randomness to it. Because even though you're drafting cards, if you can't get the right cards to sell to the right adventurers, basically somebody can come in your store and you got nothing to give them. And that happened to me a couple times, and that was tough. Then it's like, what do I do? Then I I basically can't put anything on this adventurer. So, but then there are upgrades you can make. You can make your display window bigger, so you can put two items in your display to help attract people. You can carry. You can increase your storage to carry more cards over from round to round. And like you said, you had what was what was a hawker. Mm -hmm. which basically allow you to sell the item that's in the display window.
1: That's exactly right. Standing out front and saying, come take a look at this. Enjoyed the game, um, but there were two things for me that I felt like were a detriment or I don't want to say a con, but one of them was the iconography on the cards. Mm. And no, it's not because my eyes and I can't see it. I know the glasses would have helped, but some of the icons look very similar on the cards. So when it says add plus if you have this icon. Mm -hmm. We were all sitting there. Even the people with good eyes were sitting there going, it's hard to make out because there were no colors to it.
0: Yeah. And the type of icon was basically their class. Now on the character cards, it was a nice big colored image, a a colored icon. But in the text, it was just a small black and white. And it was hard to tell, wait a minute, which which emblem is that because it wasn't color coded at that point. So I I agree. That that was one of the ones we kept having to hand around the table. Is it this one? Yeah, I think it's this one sort of deal. And the other thing
1: is I like being prepared. And I mean, some people will like this, but personally, when when Nate taught us this game, he told me about this was going to happen. I'm like, I got no way to prevent that or shed it off. That right before you go into battle, a random card hits you. And it could be a bad thing or a good, uh, a bad thing or a good thing. And I mean, it, it was thematic. In other words, oh, you're getting ready to go up against the monster and you are
0: awesome. Plus two on your hits. Or you're like lazy or something. Minus one on your defense or something like that.
1: Exactly. Or you're just mediocre. So no effect. So you know that was the randomness to it, so you didn't know if you were going to you, hey, I thought I was going to succeed, but you didn't,
0: but that's bargain quest yeah it's it's out now or out now or coming out soon. Thematically, I think it's a really cool game i I thought thematically being playing as a shop owner in a in an adventurer story, I thought was really neat. so if anybody's interested, go check that out.
1: Last episode, we had this big, long mega gen con thing. And one thing was missing from that episode, Marty. Oh, boy. What was that? Us talking about the games we got to experience. It was all these people talking, <laughs> but we to- we only talked about a few
0: things. You're right. There's a lot of games that we got to play that we didn't really get to talk about on the show. And now I want to talk about the now plus some other things. So we're going to do our
1: Flying Squirrel segment, something we haven't done in quite some time. Portal Games, they're the guys who brought you Empires of the North. It is out right now. That's right. You can go pick it up over at miniaturemarket.com, but Portal Games has also got something very important that if you listen to episode number 177, you got to hear Adam and Travis and Marty talk about Pathfinder. And You went out there and I know you looked at buying that book, but Ignacy has released his book, Play Smart, that will help you be a GM. A game master, he will teach you all the ins and outs, the things to do, how to use that Pathfinder 2.0 book that you can pick up and say, ooh, but I'm scared to be a GM. Ignacy walks you through it with his PlaySmart book. But hey, if you're not into role-playing games, and there's nothing wrong with that. We understand. Thank you, Stranger Things, for getting most everybody into role-playing games right now. Portal Games has games for you. That's right. Empires of the North. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a great name they have. I know, Portal Games. Uh, they had a successful with Porter closing out. That will be shipped out pretty soon. But once again, Empires of the North is their big release. Great success at Gen Con. Marty and I love it. So be sure to go check them out at Portal Games. Huh, let me try that again at PortalGamesUS.com. Time for Flying Squirrels, two-minute discussions on topics that have our
0: attention. For now we hope you'll really like and it's another segment of flying squirrels in this what we're going to be doing is each of us will be talking about a topic for only two minutes and when our time is up you will hear this sound indicating it's time to move on tony are you ready to go okay the first thing i want
1: to talk about that we i don't know did we mention this on our gen con episode marty where we
0: sat down with emerson we did not because we did that on sunday and our last recording was saturday night
1: that's what i thought so marty and i got to sit down with Emerson Matsushi thank you you knew I was pausing there because I was going to mess it up but he has a game coming out that's going to be produced by IDW will be on Kickstarter in the coming months no nope, called... not on Kickstarter it's not I thought he was going to bring it on Kickstarter
0: I don't think I don't know it was on pre-order on Amazon oh that's
1: right it was on pre-order on Amazon but then they took it down and brought it back up I am just eating up my two minutes this you is are. Metal You're Gear 37 seconds in this is Metal Gear Solid I never played the video game Mm-hmm. Never played it. So this sound means nothing to you. It means absolutely nothing to me. But when Emerson started talking about it, you could just see the passion that he had for this game he was developing. And I'll, I'll admit, Marty, when he was introducing it and he was doing the demo with us, I was digging it because <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, wow, check out how these guys are AI programmed into the game. You're going to try to be stealthy. You're, I was just like, oh, Emerson, this is incredible. I was ready to buy his demo copy.
0: Yeah, no, he's it, trying he's trying to totally recreate the very first Metal Gear solid game. He's going to create a campaign where he can play through the entire game. He said it was a passion project of his. He said he would literally done this for free that he loves this game so much. You talk about the AI. The boss was what was cool. You had a deck for the uh, the boss, and you you played a card that tells you which way the boss moves and looks, it goes to the bottom of the deck. Over time, you learn the boss's pattern, and you can predict what he's gonna do, so you can get in position in order to shoot him like you can in the real game. So I'm gonna tell you right now before my two minutes is up, start saving up. If you're a fan of the metal Gear Solid video game. So be sure to check that out. Another thing that Tony and I got to check out was an, a new technology that's going to be implemented on some CMON games called Taburu. We got to sit in on a special presentation of this basically electronic board that you set a board game on top of that can monitor where your positions of your models are on the board. And Tony, we sat down and got to play Zombie Side. We actually played through a, a quick game of Zombie Side where each of the models has has an ID tag on the bottom of it, and there's places on the board where you can put it where it indicates like what room you're in. And then you actually sit there and you play through Zombie Side. You'll take a model and you'll tap it somewhere on the board to indicate you've entered a room. And then there's an app, uh, AI, that's running on like the iPad. or I think it's also going to be on PC, too, that will tell you, oh, by the way, you just walked in this room, spawn these zombies. And then you go in and then you say, well, I'm going to attack the zombies. And you pick up these dice and these dice have Bluetooth in them. So when you roll them, it communicates back to the main app, what you rolled and calculates all your damage and stuff for you. So Tony, you and I didn't really talk about this much after we saw the demo, but what did you think of that tech demo? Is that something you
1: might be interested in? All I know is you got to play it. I sat in the corner. But I watched, <laughs> but but you're right. No, it was very interesting how they took the fiddly parts out of Zombie Side. Mm-hmm. All the the noise tracking and 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 where what weapons are dropping, all that got there. So you got to probably immerse yourself more in that game than you would probably do while you're normally playing it, and you're having to track all that stuff. It's tracking your your um, XP and along those lines. So it's really interactive from that standpoint. So they took it and. Basically, they were making it not into a video game, but kind of in a video. I liked it. I did have one issue with the fact that you had to keep tapping if you wanted to keep doing stuff. That mm-hmm. slowed things down. But other than that, I thought it was really cool technology.
0: Yes, yeah, one of those things where they were just showing us the technology. Basically, it's a flat mat board and it has a USB connector that connects to your PC for power. But here's the thing: the first game is Zombie Side, but they're going to license it to a lot of different games. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to be coming on Kickstarter next year. It's going to be Zombie Side plus this technology. But once you have this console, other games are going to come out and support it. And that's T-E-B-U-R-U, to buru. In
1: that last two minutes, Marty made a few followed pause. First off, it was the fact that he was using the old name of Come On. It's not C-Mon anymore, Marty. It's Come On. Get it on board. Come on. Oh, come on. What's wrong with you? Come on. Come enjoy this game. Come on. This is a new technology that's being implemented
0: for Come On's zombie side
1: not Simon. what's wrong with you man are,
0: are you just trying to ruffle my feathers because you know i somewhat have an issue with this for years people have adopted have been saying Simon. it's been common nomenclature then earlier this year uh the company says you know what it's really not that it's supposed to be come on i don't i was talking to some other people there in the industry and they were like you know once the public has accepted something and you're known as this why would you try to change the brand? And I got, I got to agree. If they would have started out when this came out and said, you know what? Here, you know, they went from Cool Menu or not and just went down to the acronym CMON. If they would have said at that time, this is pronounced come on. People would have latched on and that would have been it. But a couple years down the road, when you decide to change it, and just like last segment, I called it CMON because it's just what I'm used to. And I know it's Come supposed on, to be CMON. Get with the times. Make it part of your
1: vocabulary. I mean, you're right. I'm going to say CMON as well. As matter of fact, if we go back and play back uh, when I said side in the early part of the segment, I'm sure I said CMON or let it slip out that way, you know slowly it will get back in just like cool or not became CMON. Simon will become, come on, you'll get
0: used to it. It'll be okay. I, I'll get used to it. I just don't understand why it felt they need, it needed to be done when, when it's just, I, I I just don't get, it. look a, as a media person, I want to abide by what they want and try to do it right. But I will slip up over All right, and over from
1: now. Again. on, just, we'll just say, come on, 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 go ahead. Say it, say it. <laughs>
0: Come on, come on, come on,
1: come on, come on, no, no, come on. This way, this way you can cut no. and paste in future episodes.
0: Oh, that's oh I see what you're saying. So just do a bunch of commands. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then I can take one of those and just copy paste. I like what you're going to where are you going with that. Friday night at Gen Con, I got to attend a press event or a reveal event for Renegade Game Studios. And this was a really cool event because it was almost like uh, how like Xbox or Sony has their big presentation to E3 where they reveal new games with teaser trailers and a bunch of music and stuff. And they did the same thing here. With each game they introduced, they had like a 30 to 45 second trailer to just show on a screen. They had the music thumping out there. It was just done really well. Well, the last thing they showed I was so excited about it. See, back at Origins, Tony, I talked to um, Scott, who is the CEO at Renegade, and he said, he teased me. It's like, you know, I used to be at Decipher. And, you know, Tony, Decipher's the company that made our mm-hmm. favorite Lord of the Rings CCG. He said, I've gotten that team back together to come out with the card game. I went, oh my gosh, Scott, what is it? And he said, just come to our Gen Con event and you'll find out. So they announced it there. It's going to be Vampire the Masquerade, and it's going to be an expandable card game, which is like an LCG. That's basically taking the card game from the uh, '90s and bringing it forward, modernizing it, shortening it, and it's with the same team that did *The Lord of the Rings*. And I am so. Freaking excited because that is that team knows how to make a card game.
1: That is exciting. I was really hoping it had that Lord of the Rings mechanic we love, but you told me that no, nah, it doesn't
0: have it. it. It doesn't have it. I said does it have the. He went, oh no, you're talking about the thing with the uh, what was it called Twilight, mm-hmm. uh, where you spend uh, people. He said it does not. He said, but it does have a very strong multiplayer just like Lord of the Rings did, which is still one of the best multiplayer card games we ever played. Well, would you get it, teach it, and as long as I'm not having to buy any packs, I'm okay. Well, it's not coming out till next year at 2020, so I don't know anything about it, except that he said strong multiplayer support, plays less than four to five hours, which is what the original did. Expandable card game, look for it next Gen Con, so we'll be following the progress of that. That's Vampire the Masquerade, expandable card game coming from Renegade Games. All right, we're about out of time for
1: Flying Squirrel, so i got to get a whole bunch of other stuff said. So first off, we played a really fun card game from Plan B called 5211. The name of the game tells you the rules of the game. It's about majority. <laughs> it was a blast. We played it a couple times over at Gen Con. I had a I had a, I had fun with that one. So Marty, I know you have it. It
0: was about majority. That tells you everything you need to you know You don't everyone. need to worry about it. It's Just a, go look at the it. The rules are five. The rules are five, three, one, one. And it's, it's about five majority. three. I said five, two, one, one. Is it five, three or it's five, five two? Five two. Oh,
1: so you don't even know the rules. It's on the deck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, then we stopped by boards and dice, and I got to see their new launch of Yido, one of my favorite worker placement games. That Marty has not yet played with me because, well, you know, he just hasn't had time because he's such a busy man. But oh, one of my favorite, one of the neat things about this, Marty, is they get, you won't understand this, you get to go past the guard. And that's a very important aspect of Yido that would frustrate the mess out of people. Love that worker placement game. I'm very excited for that.
0: The board looked good. They're gorgeous next- oh, my. oh my gosh this deluxe version looks amazing just me seeing the art on the board got me excited to play yeah I, I can't wait so let's see the card game is about majority and this game is about a guard okay everybody knows everything they need to know about Go look games. it up keep, keep going i don't have a
1: lot of time to explain the full game or we do a review of it next with skulls and cells ascension that is the next expansion Ooh, you can rage, you're a pirate, you're moving a ship around the board, new mechanics in Ascension, but it's still got the good stuff, the deck building that I love so much with constructs and the heroes. I'm really excited for that expansion of Ascension Skulls and Sails.
0: Wait a minute. You actually sell, there's actually something while you're selling a yeah, ship? Yeah, you're
1: selling around the ship and it's how you can defeat the monsters or take the various cards.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, cool, it's, cool.
1: Uh, the board comes more into play than just laying the cards out. So a very important aspect of the game. And then finally, another one thing I want to mention. Oh, we got to see the Dark Tower. Dom, restoration games. <laughs> the engineer was there. Tim, wasn't it? Tim, was Tim his name? You talked to him. You stood there and gaga, went gaga, engineering.
0: No, oh, I gaga with him, but I don't I don't remember the name because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a software engineer like him and he and I are geeking out. And Rob Davio is like, holy crap, you actually know what you're talking about. I said, see, Rob, I'm not all stupid. That's
1: right. So we got to see the dark tower. Now it wasn't all dark. It was all white and everything, but we got to see it work. And it was really cool. It came in a suitcase with a bunch of foam around it. So that's the Dark Tower. So it
0: does exist, people. That's it. That's it from Gen Con. This episode, we're actually going to do another segment of No Quarter Required. We reviewed a board game for the Switch. And we're going to do Raiders of the North Sea. But... There is a patch coming out for that game this week that's going to fix an issue that we were having. So we wanted to wait until we get that patch so we can see how well it works now with the patch and everything. And during that segment, I was going to talk about these other games, but I'll just go ahead and and talk about them now. Tony, you know, at the beginning of our segment on uh, No Quarter Required, I put in some theme music that means a lot to us. And that was the theme from Bubble Bobble. Yeah. And just recently, it was announced there's going to be a brand new Bubble Bobble Coming out for the switch, and I literally squeed in my chair when I saw the trailer for it. You
1: did what in your chair? Squeed, you know? Squeed. Oh, oh, okay, I see. Um, yes. When you posted that, I was like, up oh, there goes the rest of my life. For those who don't know,
0: Tony and I played this game in college, and there's like a hundred levels, right, Tony? There was a yes, there was a hundred levels, and and we could finish it. You and I could finish it repeatedly. No problem. Marty, you're going
1: up left, right? We had it all history. We had everything. We had all the moves down. We were moving fast through that game. I am, oh. mm.
0: Had everything memorized. So I cannot wait to see that coming back out. Speaking of old school games, there's another game that was out on the Switch called... Pyram, P-A-W-A-R-U-M. Did you like Xevious, Tony? You remember that game where you were moving forward on a board and shooting things and you could upgrade your weapons and get better weapons and stuff? Remember that old arcade I remember game? that, but I don't think I ever played it a lot. So. so this is like an old arcade 80s style shooter, but this it's really cool. You have three buttons and you shoot either a red, a blue, or a green gun, and it's like a rock, paper, scissors. Like, for example, if I shoot a blue object with the green gun, it does more damage. If I shoot a green object with a green gun, it, like, builds up my shields. If I shoot a green object with a red gun, it does something else. So as you're playing the game, you're constantly changing which gun you fire with in order to take advantage of the ability of either boosting your shields, dealing extra damage, uh, recovering health, It is a trippy, trippy game. But if you like old school arcade shooters, this this is really cool for the Switch. I have a lot of fun with this one.
1: So I can't even do a dodge in Breath of the Wild and you're now wanting me to match colors and unmatch colors to do certain things. It's not going to happen, dude.
0: I'll blow my mind. I'll give it credit. On the bottom of the screen, it has a key. So as you're playing, you can automatically see what shooting what will do with the gun that you have so it takes a while to get used to but after a while it becomes intuitive that's paw a currently out on the switch and i can't wait for bubble bubble
1: is it all over rock i guess so
0: the broken token is now coming out with travel versions of games that both Tony and I like. One is the Fox in the Forest, which is a, a card game for Minigay Games, very popular. They have this nice little wooden container that holds all the cards and tracks everything on the board. That is really cool. But the one that I'm most excited about, Tony, is the travel version of Mm Gravwell from our good buddy, Corey Young. We loved that game. That was one of the first games that Renegade ever put out. And now Broken Token has made a wooden board game version of it that folds into itself. The, The part that you fold out holds all the cards and the pegs and everything, and you fold it in. And then on top is a pegboard for basically tracking your ships and how they move around the outside of basically the Gravwell. I need this so I can carry it around and play this game because if you've never played Gravwell, it's a fantastic game and now there's a new way to play it. So if you want to find out more, you can go check out Gravwell and travel the fox in the forest over at thebrokentoken.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one.
1: So at Gen Con, Marty and I got to experience a new two-player game along the lines of the 13 Days style games, where it's me versus Marty. That's right, we're going after each other
0: <laughs> because <laughs> it's a two-player game where we're going after each other. Boy, your description of games is spot on. I this know they episode. are, and people are
1: appreciating it. They really are. So anyway, it's called Watergate. I'm not a crook. One person is playing as Nixon, and the other person is playing as the press, trying to expose Nixon,
0: trying to get the man impeached. Did you know Nixon didn't get impeached? That is correct. He quit before Anything happened. Here's the thing, Tony, when this is happening, I was too young to understand what was going on. So it wasn't until later that I, like all these jokes were being made and I just didn't get it. Uh, But what's so great about this is that this rule book tells you all about the history of Watergate Mm -hmm. and explains all the players in it. And which is important because in this game, you actually see these players, for example, with me playing as the editor, I'm trying to get all these informants that I can get evidence that all points towards Nixon. Doing some bad stuff, man. But you, as Nixon, are basically trying to keep me from making, from letting me, uh, let that happen. And you're just trying to run out your term. You're just trying to get to the end, baby. I am trying, as Nixon, I am sitting there saying, You
1: can't talk to that man. I'm going to put an injunction on him. I'm going to put a gag order on him so you can't use him. <laughs> or better yet, I'm going to bury the evidence. Because in this game, the way, the way the editor is going to link to Nixon is he's going to build a evidence path up the board from one informant, and he's going to chain it through a bunch of files. And the files have various colors, Marty.
0: Uh, yes, they do. There's like uh, yellow, green, and blue. And on the board, Nixon is right in the middle. All these informants are around it. You know, it's like the court board with the yarn that connects all the evidence trying to make a path Mm -hmm. to him. So there's these evidence spaces on the board that you're trying to fill in. And I'm, I am trying to get two informants to make a direct path to Nixon. And if I do, I win the game. But Tony, you are trying to keep me from uh, doing those paths. And that's all done through this really unique card play on your turn you play a card and that is so unique marty i've never heard of a game that has to play a card that's amazing you're right crazy isn't it each of us have our own very unique decks and we're both fighting over several things One, we're fighting over evidence tokens. Nixon pulls out evidence tokens out of a bag. He only knows what colors they are and puts them down on the table. On my turn, I can play a card that says, okay, I can move a peg or an evidence token a couple spots. And I can say, Tony is one of those green. And if you say yes, then I'll move that towards my side of the board. And Tony, you may not like that because on your turn, you may play a card that pulls it back. What's important to
1: know about this is that at the end of playing all the cards then whichever side the evidence is on goes to the, either the editor or Nixon. So that's that tug. That's what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring it all back so you can block them. But there's another aspect of it is where there's initiative because the person who has initiative gets to have five cards. The person who doesn't gets only four. And that is a huge aspect of the game. And then there's momentum because for Nixon, if I fill up my, my momentum track, in other words, let's say I've got the country behind me, I win where if the editor has momentum, he gets special abilities when he activates them, like flips evidence over, or he gets to put evidence back in the back. Or if there is no momentum to put
0: on the board, I've waited you out. I've won as Nixon. And it's a constant tug of war of three different things. Evidence tokens, momentum, and initiative. And this is one of the most tense games I've ever played. Because as you're playing, it's like, I need these things on my side. But Tony, you're getting them on your side. Is it more important that I get the evidence on my side and let you have that momentum? Or should I went, no, 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 I can't. I got to make sure you don't get the momentum, but gun. I'm going to lose the initiative this time. And this, these cards also have a bottom part, which has a text that does other things. Maybe it cancels what you're doing. Maybe it allows me to turn over one of those evidence tokens that's on the board. Maybe it allows me to put evidence tokens back in the bags. Each card does something different. And when sometimes when you play them, they're removed from the game. It is a constant tense battle that every time I've played, it is one of the most tense things because by the end, it always is a nail biter till you see who wins the game. I love this game. Now, Marty said that the decks
1: were unique. Well, there's ev- everybody has the informants in their deck. So, and this is something I didn't want people to think of. well, how do I keep the informants? If Nixon discards an informant, they're flipped out of the game. So that limits the number of people he can use. So, but like Marty was saying, these cards, if you discard a card, it usually has a high value that will move the evidence or momentum or initiative on it and you're giving that up removing it from yeah, the game remove. and it's a it's a tense type of decision to make love the game recommend it go check out Watergate if you don't know anything about Watergate,
0: it will teach you. If you still don't want to learn about Watergate, it's a great game regardless. And here's the thing, Tony. That game is a 30-minute game, 30 to 45 minutes at the most. It's easy to set up, quick to play. This is up there now with Undaunted for my, the best two-player game of 2019 for me. That's Watergate from Capstone Games and designer Matthias Kramer. Five-minute initiative is complete. Well, it looks like it's a capstone games night, Tony, because another game that we got to play that just came out at Gen Con is Ragusa. And this is from Fabio Lapiano, who also designed one of our favorite games from last year, Kalimala, which is why I was excited to get this. And Tony, go ahead and give us the history. What is Ragusa? Well, there was some debate about this because we thought it
1: was Dubrovnik and the old walled city. And you said you read that, but
0: Further research says
1: that Ragusa is in Italy.
0: Well, here's the thing is right in the board BGG description set in the legendary city of Ragusa, now Dubrovnik. See, I,
1: I, yeah, that's what caused confusion right there. But what is not confusing, let's get to the game, because well, I posted this on Instagram, my, my weekly Instagram post, and um, yeah. I posted it and somebody asked me a question. Wow, that looks like a tough game to set up. And Marty, it wasn't.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh my God. Literally. Okay. I, I this is not, uh, this is not hyperbolic. Is hyperbolic the right is a type of uh, uh line, but go ahead. Hyperbole. I don't know where you're going. This is the truth. People that game can be set up out of the box in three minutes. Uh, the reason why is because every uh, number one, it comes with inserts for all the people's pieces. There's little boxes that hold your player pieces. You basically just hand them a box and a player board. They put three tokens on their board and they're done. On the main board, you put three tokens and shuffle some cards and put out six cards and you're done. In three minutes, the board is set up and ready, ready to go. Ready. That is a big, big plus for me right off the bat, how fast it is to set up. As opposed to Kalimala, which takes a lot more time because there's a lot of random tokens that are put out. Shuffle the tokens, put all these tokens on this action selection mechanic, put all the tokens on the scoring track or shuffle those and randomize those. That one takes a lot longer to set up than what this one does first plus of the game keep going you're gonna keep going with the pluses okay here it is another easy thing tony on your turn what do you do each person gets a turn and they get to place a house that's it boom place a house and that is your entire turn
1: but there's a lot of restrictions on where that house can go (laughs) okay
0: Yes, (laughs) there is. But essentially, you're placing your house on one of the hex tiles, on the on one of the vertices of the hex tiles of the board. And when you place a house, it's going to be adjacent to three other hex tiles, and you get the benefits of all those tiles if you have the right resources to be able to build there. Is that what you're talking about the restrictions?
1: Yes, you got to have the right resources in order to put there. If you've got a house, you got well. First off, the first move, you got to get wood. All right. So that's, yep. that's a requirement. There's no other. So when you place your first house, you really don't have, you have a decision on which forest you would like to clear cut in order to start establishing your resource of wood. After that, for every house, if you have a house on the same sex, you've got to have additional wood. Or if you're putting it inside the city, you've got to have stone. So you've got to balance that
0: out and the number you have, and you're tracking this on your player board. Now, let me tell you how the resources work for people who don't know. It's not like you get a little piece of wood or a little wood token. It's a card. It's a little square card that has the numbers on each edge. One, two, three, four, flip it over and it's five, six, seven, eight. And on your player board, you have all the resources you can get. There are six. And you just put the card in the slot with the right number facing the, the right resources showing how many you got. So the first time I get a wood, I slide the number one up against it to indicate I've got one wood. Now, do you like that? Or would you rather physically have a piece of wood sitting in front
1: no, of No, I was fine with that. And I like the fact that the wood didn't disappear. Yeah, because you don't spend resources. There's only
0: one resource uh, whoa, whoa, in this whoa, whoa, game whoa, whoa. of the six you, you don't ever spend. Sp- you do spend resources. There's uh-uh, There is only one resource you ever spend, and that's fish. What about when you go and sell to the market? Those are commodities. That's splitting a hair. No, it's not. There's six resources, <laughs> and there's three commodities. The resources are wood, stone, we already talked about, fish, mentioned that, grapes, olives, and what am I missing? There's ore and stone.
1: So I think when you're teaching the game, just like we're talking about it, there's this little concept where you're sitting here. Now, which silver. ones I spend? Yeah,
0: it's silver ore. I'm going to make that clear. Ore, silver
1: ore. Okay. Yeah. Silver ore, stone. As we were saying all night, <laughs> no. silver ore, stone.
0: <laughs> silver ore, o r e. Not yeah. silver or stone, silver or
1: stone. <laughs> Either way, th- that's the first thing you've got to get past people when you're teaching this game, all right, is this whole resource thing and to, to get a grasp on how that's going to work because most games we're used to doing is you're going, if I'm going to build a house, by God, i got to use the wood. Mm-hmm. No, you're clear-cut this far as you got it stacked up. You can go to Lowe's and pick up as much wood as you want to get or Home yep. Depot or whatever you need. All right, so that's not a problem. You got plenty of wood, you got it right there. So, I, I hadn't once I got over to that hurdle, okay, we moved on with the game.
0: And see, I, I agree that is weird, but that makes the thing move. So, you're not tracking yes. resources, you're not turning them in. Basically, your resources only increase except fish. And we'll talk about that, that in a second. So there's a rural part on the outside and that gives you those raw resources and along the beach gives you the fish. Let's get into the city where the meat of the game is. And when you build in the city, you need to have some access to some stone, which you already have. When you place a building in one of the vertices inside the city, each of those hexes can do something for you. Remember those commodities I talked about? One of them is converting silver ore into silver bars. One is converting grapes into wine. One is converting olive oil in no. One is converting, into olive oil. Yeah, olives into olive oil, and those can be sold to the market for victory points, which is basically the goal of the game. Really? You mean getting the most victory points is how you win this game? Uh, in this particular game, it is. Yes. Okay. Never felt that way. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll circle back to that comment a yeah, little bit.
1: Yeah, we will. Okay, so yes, you're pla- when you place a house, then you do the action of that of all three hexagons. Just like mm-hmm. if you had gone up into the forest and you had placed it near the the olives and the wood and the stone, then you would increase your resource resources there. When you go into the city, you do the action there. But here's the thing that Marty loves so much about those things in the city.
0: Oh yeah, I'll be there for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the other reason why I named this episode, that song, because I'll be there for you because of what happens here. You've placed your little house. You've hunky dory. Well, along I come and I want to build on your street as well. So I place my house in between those hexagons and I do that. And I do the action of the hexagons that I encounter. And then we go around the hexagon and everybody else in that block get to do that action as well.
0: Love it. Love it. You mean you're telling me that I get to do something on somebody else's turn. So if you're saying I built a house and a hex and you place one of your houses and activate that hex that I already have a house, I get to do something too? that is a win for me i've said it on this show so many times in euro games if you can decrease my downtime by letting me do something on somebody else's turn you automatically get a couple points from me
1: and not only do you decrease your downtime but you also decrease the game length oh my gosh yes so you're speeding up so so i place it there and then we go around that hex and then we go around the other hex and let's say that you're also in that hex
0: don't you get to do that as well marty you sure do. Every house gets to activate, even if it's your own. So if you go into a location and this was important too. So let's say you go into a spot in the city where you've already built a house and you're putting a second house. That's where the rules of how many stones you need for every house that's, that you're, that's there. You need to have access to that many stone out in the rural area. That's why you're tracking those. But yeah, if you already got a house there, Tony, uh, you'll get to activate twice. The one you just put and the one that was there before.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. You do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a couple places that aren't like that. There are a couple hexes where it doesn't go, go around. One is is where you can get some extra in-game victory point condition cards. At the beginning of the game, everybody gets a, a three cards. You get to pick which one you want to shoot for. If you achieve it, you get some points. You can have access to those cards also in the game. But that one... Uh, Only the person who plays there gets to do it, even if there's another house there already. Another one is an in-game scoring condition where it's it's like the final capital. It's like a market where if you have one of each of the commodity, you can sell those as a set based on whatever the price of the market is at the time, which is another thing I like. The commodities I talked about, the silver, the wine, the olive oil, have a value system or a market that's constantly going up and down based on when things are shipped, which we'll talk about in a second. So a variable market, which I also like.
1: And there's another aspect you like that we've skipped over, but it's kind of hard to understand without seeing this. So I really don't want, Marty, let's try not to do too much explanation on this, but this is around building a tower and building walls. Mm. Because if I place a house in a certain segment of the city, Because there's this concept of victory points for having how many houses are touched through the walls, or towers are touched by walls, you get victory points. Of your color. Of your color. Yes. So so it's a very important concept to understand at the beginning of the game, which some people might have missed in their first play. I don't want to say who, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> it's almost like longest road in Catan. So yeah. basically you're building wall sections around the city. And if in between each wall segment, you have either one of your houses or one of your towers, you get to count that towards the end as one of your longest segment and get points.
1: But this is one part of the game I did like was the towers oh, crap, Marty, you just put a house where I needed to continue my longest stretch. Well, I can build a tower by placing a house in that tile area, that hexagon shape that allows me to do that. And I may place a tower anywhere where towers are allowed on top of your house.
0: So wait a minute. So if I place a house in the hexagon that lets you build if a it's tower, in, that's in between two wall sections, you can take one of your towers and put it over my house and still
1: count it. The nice thing about that is you block me with your house. Now I can put a tower of my mm-hmm. color there as long as I activate that hex.
0: Yeah, yeah, so there's this basically there's this one hex where it says you can build a tower anywhere on the on the board. There's another place that says you can build a wall section anywhere on the board, which gives you victory points if you drop a wall between your colors, you get victory points. Yep. Yep, you immediately get victory points if your the wall segment happens to touch one of your colored either houses or towers. And the final thing really is down at the bottom when you go uh, ship stuff. So there's these ships out there in the ocean where you can trade in uh, some sort of goods and uh, get uh, some victory points. Each ship has a certain amount of victory points that you'll get and have, hey, this ship requires wine or requires... Uh, you know, oil or whatever. And you, and you turn those in and you get that victory point card. But also when you do that, that's how the market adjusts. Because Mm -hmm. when a new ship comes out on the back of that, it tells you, move this commodity up in price on the board, and then it flips over to show you what the ship is. So it's through the shipping cards that the prices of the commodities go up and down over the course of the game. So you got that happening. Then you got the fishmonger. And the fishmonger is basically the fish are like wild cards. If you're uh, collecting fish resources, you can convert those or turn them in as a free action in order to get uh, other resources and stuff. Or at the fishmonger, like you said, Tony, for every two fish you have, you get a victory point. And that's where I rocked the first game. I collected a lot of fish. And then I had multiple houses around the fishmonger. So it'd be like score, 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 score. Every time I activated that hexagon or somebody else did. And that was what I loved about this game. Like Kalamala on the action selection mechanic, you tried to go where you knew other people would want to go so that you get to take advantage of the free action.
1: We had the wharf where you would go out and you would be able to get victory points based on one resource you could sell at its price value so so correct me and what you will do i know you will so if if steel's current market value is well, there 7 there was no
0: steel it was silver
1: silver close enough silver ore to silver okay so if silver is at 7 and i may, i can pick one to sell if i have one house there and i chose to do silver yeah i would reduce that commodity nope. by one no nope. nope. No, the
0: only time it ever reduced was on the ships. Uh and it would actually actually indicate on the ship it had like down arrows saying when you do this, you're gonna drop the no, no, price no, no, no. of this the, commodity. the
1: commodity in my in my
0: house. I know, no, but that doesn't drop the price on the market. The only place the plu I'm not market- saying
1: drop it in the market, I'm saying drop it on my commodities. On my oh, I'm issue. sorry,
0: Tony. I thought you meant price. Yes, no. when you sell a commodity, you reduce the number you have in your inventory on your own board.
1: Right. And you get that number of points.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See?
1: So once again, thank God the game is easy to set up.
0: <laughs> now, here's the thing is, how long did it take us to play? 45 minutes. And you know what we did? We After we were all done, even though Tony was grumpy, and we'll, let, we'll discuss the grumpiness in a second, we said, let's play again. And literally, everybody just picked up their pieces, and then we put out six new ships, and we just started right up again within a matter of minutes. And again, we played in probably 35 to 40 minutes at that point. This mm-hmm. game is one of those, to me, I could have played more. It's like, holy crap, the game's almost over. It's like, oh, geez, we're, we're about done. And it was... because the game ends when everybody's placed all their houses and the number of houses you had, depended on the number of players For four players, it was 10 houses. If you have f- fewer players, you get to place more houses. So that's the number of rounds you're going to play. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. But after our first game and even our second game, Tony, you were a little bit grumpy while the three of us, me, Mark and Nate were just like, Oh, this is a perfect Euro game to have on the shelf for playing in under an hour. You, you boys were over there squeeing in your
1: pants. We squeed our pants. That's right. Y'all were squeeing in your pants over there about this game. And I was, mm, mm. I, can, I can do all the sound effects I want to do here. So uh, first off, let's talk a little bit about the grumpiness. At no time does grumpiness equate to bad game. Never does that happen. I can play a bad game and have a great time playing. So don't, don't get me wrong here. This is a very, very solid, tight game. It is a game that people are going to love. But for me, it was a game I didn't get, I didn't appreciate, but it made me think, how could I have played it better? Because Marty's already mentioned this once. You're trying to figure out the other people's strategies so that you can build off of that, so that you can tie into their strategy, so that you can get your houses activate. I was out of sync with Mark, Nate, and Marty, and I never stood a chance in both games. I was just out of sync. I was one step behind them. There was no way for me to make up the points. And that created gumpiness, grumpiness, not gumpiness, grumpiness. So that's where I was with this game.
0: I'm glad you told me that because that night you kept asking us, why, why am I not getting this game? It's like, dude, we can't answer that for you. I, I don't know. I mean, we could just tell you what we like about it. And like you said, it wasn't like you were like, this game stinks because of X, Y, and Z. Now that you've had a chance to think about it, if you played it again, do you think there would be less grumpiness? Or is it just one of those things that, you know, it's just not going to click with me? Well, it's it's a one, so yes, a reflection on
1: the drive back to the house, thinking, <laughs> you know, thinking, you know, mm, okay, what was the problem here? I know the problem is not with the game. It's always inner reflection. It's always good to do inner reflection about things. And if I, I will play it again, I will always play a game again, um, unless it's a social deduction game and you really want to make me grumpy. But I'll, I think if I play it again, if I'm in sync with the people playing, I will enjoy it more. But I'm telling you, if you are out of sync or you don't have a very good strategy to be a loner in this game, you have no chance of winning. None. Zero. <sighs> I don't know, man, because... How are you going to do it? Because the key to get victory points is to be able to activate your stuff again without having to place it. That's true, but you could do your own, right? No, it, you, no, it, no you can't, because sure, then sure you got to concentrate on woods. You've got to go up
0: there. If I want to put four houses in one hex, i got to do a whole lot of wood. You're right. And, and there was discussion that's like, are there certain places you always need to go? Should you always make sure that you try to get some wall sections in order to get points at the end? Should you always go to that capital building so that you can sell stuff at the very end of the game? If you have one of each, you can go to the market and sell each one of those commodities. And Nate had like three sets and racked up like 20 something points right off that. And I didn't do that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, right. is that one of those places I always need to go? May- maybe it is.
1: And I had two sets, and I had the wood to place a third house. I didn't get it in there, so I could have had three sets, but it still wouldn't have mattered. But you cannot be a loner in this game. You cannot, because you only got ten houses for a four player game, right? Ten houses.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't. But the, but the the board is so tight. You're not going to be a loner. Eventually, somebody's going to go to a hex where you are. You hope. It never seemed
1: to work for me. I was like, okay, y'all are over there in castle and wall land. If I go over there and
0: place one, then I'm going to benefit y'all. Right? Yes. But you could have said, well, you know what? I'm just going to go straight down to the shipping or the market and throw a house down there. So when the other people ship, then I can do it too. That was a good strategy too. Yeah. So I, well,
1: guess what? I was down there, but it took a while for y'all to come down there. So I had to go with, where else am I going to play my turn? Well, maybe I'll do this. I Once again, I'm not saying it's a bad game. Please don't get me wrong. It is a game for me that I found that if you are out of sync with the other players, you cannot be competitive. If I am not jumping in there placing at the certain times I did, I felt like, okay, I'm going to go here. Well, you guys were on the other side of the board. Oh wait, now you're on this side of the board. What the heck am I doing? I get that. I mean, you love it. And I understand the love
0: for this I, game. I, I do, man, because here's the thing. And I've said this before in the past, one of my favorite games that, that I've, I used to love is Vikings from Seaman games. And one of the reasons why I loved that game, because it gave me some think on thinkiness and played in an hour. It's very rare to find a light to medium weight Euro game that plays in a short time with a quick setup and quick put away. And that's exactly what this is for me. That night even Mark said at the end, you know what, this is a perfect game for like me and my buddy who's like, we have 45 minutes left in the night and we don't wanna play a party game or a a quick little card game. We can get this on the table, have some meat, enjoy the, the, the game and be done in 45 minutes and it's back on the shelf. Mark said, I will probably go get a copy. This game will for sure stay on my shelf. This now replaces Vikings as my, we have an hour to play a Euro. I've got the perfect one for you and I can teach you in a matter of five minutes. I know which shelf it won't be on. <laughs> I know
1: that. Once again, play. I'll play it again. I'll play it anytime. It's a tight game. It's a solid game. And it's one of those games like... Some games just come to you, some don't, and some games may not jive with you and not every game is for everyone and we all know that. Yeah. It's a kind of like Whistle Stop for me is a game that I pick up and I'm and it immediately came to me. Love that game and it's very quick to me. Lorenzo, uh, Coyambra, all those games, you know, I get those games and it's maybe something doing. It's not that it's got dice in it, it's just they just got I understand the combos. Yep. This game, I felt
0: like I was always behind. And here's the thing. And that's okay. Right. I I think we get so caught up in the people getting offended because you don't like what they like. It's like, how can you not like Ragusa when I like it so much? And then people actually get upset over that. It's like, so what? You don't like it. That is a okay. You don't have to agree on every, every single game. Right. I mean, and I'm saying that that's kind of a, of a tangent, but I see that a lot where people just yeah. get so offended because somebody doesn't like something they like. So what? Exactly. You don't like stuff that they like. Big deal. Move on. And that's the way it is with this. Like you said, Tony, it's not a bad game. It, it checks off this. It's quick to set up, quick to play, quick to teach. You get to do stuff on other people's turns. That's a lot of things I look for in a game. And that's what Ragusa from Capstone Games has for me, man. All right, we're running
1: a little long here, and I swore that after Gen Con, we'd try to keep it short. That didn't happen. That's okay. I'm all right with that, but I do want to thank again for Miniature Market and sponsoring the Old Spaghetti Factory uh, meetup that we had along with Portal and, of course, the Broken Topem. But Miniature Market, you'll hear us talk about it in our commercial later, but those bags that they gave all they are solid. I mean, you can put a lot of games in those carry them around. And better yet, if you put some heavy games in there, put maybe three or four come on zombie side games in there, you can knock somebody out. Once again, guys, thank you so much. Be sure to check it out over on their website, Marty, those those bags are solid. But sometimes Marty, those big backpacks are not what you can take on the plane. You showed me recently a bag that got sent to you that kind of breaks down a game
0: and you can carry it like a briefcase. What, 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 what was that? Okay. So do you remember the people that sent us the little gaming table, the little outburst? Yeah. yeah. This, the same people that, uh, that sent us this bag. They wanted us to check out. It's called the boards and bits traveler. And if you want to look along with me, as I talk about it, you can go out to their website at spiel spielgeek.com. com. They're selling a bag that is basically meant for travel purposes. Now this is more really for instead of like a game night thing where the thing with the miniature market bag for 20 bucks, you can throw in five or six games, go to game night, come home, throw them back on the shelf and you're done. The purpose of this travel bag, it's, it's a smaller bag that's 16 inches of, of interior length. And it's uh so it's not going to hold a full box What they say that you do, though, is you take everything out of the box and you take the boards and there's a there's a place in here to put your boards and then bag up all your other components. And they said you can get up to like 20 games in this bag and then you're off and running. And this game, this bag is designed to be uh, put in an overhead bin on a plane. And the thing is, when with stuff like that, a lot of the bags are soft sided This one has PVC shell built inside of it, all the way around it, top, bottoms, and sides. This thing is tough. It will take a beating and keep all your games in in really good order inside. So if you're looking for a travel bag and and one that you want to be able to carry a lot of games, again, you take them all out of the box and just put them in here. It has uh, pockets for rules, has a section for the boards. It has a section for putting in, you know, Ziploc bags for putting in all your stuff. There's compartments on the front and the side. There's a compartment on the side for putting in a water bottle. If you're looking for a good sturdy bag to carry with you when you travel, then you need to go check this out. Uh, I was really impressed with it. I thank them so much for sending me one. And uh, so it's it's Tony, you know, if you're ever moving across out to, uh, to Oklahoma again and you just want to throw through this in the back of the U-Haul with a bunch of games, uh, your games will be in good condition when you get there. Well, that explains the price tag on this thing, because this this thing's pretty pretty stout. Uh, Yeah, yeah it is. And, and again, $99, people think, wow. But again... This thing, it's like, it's just under three pounds. And most of that's becoming from this, there's four millimeter PVC board that's inside of it. And then three millimeter foam padding all around it. Let me ask you this. Do you think a laptop can fit in there? Oh, easily. It's designed for laptops. Here's the thing. The, I also tested this too. The miniature market foam foam, for uh, miniatures that you can buy i got one of those this kind of a tight snug but you can fit it push it down into the bag and stack those if you want a good way to carry your miniatures because this is a hard shell case mm-hmm. you can get foam put the miniatures in there put them in this bag i guarantee you they'll be protected
1: all right so i could basically that's a bag that carries a could carry the game my work laptop and get miniature market foam. Pull the little foamy pieces out and pack the switch in there.
0: Oh, easily, easily. And again, it's all it's all foam on the inside, and they have a little velcro. Uh, divider that you can attach, uh, in the bag to kind of maybe separate your laptop from the games or the game boards from the other components. And again, there's the pocket for the rules. It's, it's just got a nice, lot, lot of little nice pockets. Again, that's, uh, it's available right now. I mean, you can actually go get it. It's at S P I E L G E E spielgeek.com spillgeek.com. That's the Boards and Bits Traveler made specifically, and they actually call it here is the ultimate board game travel bag sturdy enough to protect modern board games during air, boat, or vehicle travel.
1: Boat? It's
0: waterproof? Oh, you know what? Now that you say that, let me see if it says it's waterproof. waterproof. It says bulletproof protection. I don't think four millimeters of PVC is uh, I think Finesse needs to bullet. take it out
1: to the range. <laughs>
0: She can do it. Vanessa, did it pass? No. Okay. Um, it does not say anywhere that's waterproof, so I don't think I will submerge it to test it.
1: <laughs> Up to seven meters. No. Not now, there
0: is nylon. The outside of the bag is nylon, so it's water. How about water repellent?
1: Okay. Call. It, yeah, it's not waterproof. It's water repellent versus or water okay, resistant. It yeah. takes a licking, but keeps on ticking.
0: So, again, thank them so much for sending me uh, this bag. It's a really cool bag. And, Tony, you're more than like... If you ever go on one of your, obviously, your trips overseas, your cruise and stuff, this is this is the bad boy that you want to take with you.
1: Speaking of trips, guess what's happening in November? It's official.
0: I don't know. I am going up to
1: Indianapolis for a week for a work-related event. You know, Gen Con's not there during
0: November, right?
1: I know that, but I'm going to be there. Better not be snowing, too. I will be there from Sunday to Friday And then we got a dinner. I think it's on Tuesday, Monday night. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, people better be entertaining me. That's all I'm saying there.
0: Why don't you tell people the dates again so they can hook hook up with you?
1: Oh, we'll put that on a later show. I think it's November, uh, the first full week in November. So whenever that is. But I will be in the Carmel area. I will not be in Indianapolis downtown. I'll be up, I'll be up near the man versus meeple studios and there are plush digs.
0: Oh yeah. So I'm sure that David and Jeremy will have you over for a bit and do some stuff. Yeah, right.
1: I'm holding my breath on that one. I've already worn out my welcome there. I know how that goes. So I'm excited about that. Oh, 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 one more thing. Guess what I did? We got back from Gen Con and not that I had
0: 50 pounds of games happen,
1: but there was a sale and I ordered us blackout Hong Kong. For twenty dollars,
0: I'm very interested in that. That's a that's an Alexander Fister game. Is that that's correct? It.
1: Yeah, Willie Williams over in our uh, Pod Pledge uh, channel, he said I posted a quick thing and said this thing's on sale for twenty dollars, five dollars shipping. Should I get it? He says, Heck yeah! What are you waiting on? Hit the submit button. So I went ahead and did that. So I'm excited from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, that that's great. So I can't I can't wait to try the. Tour. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. Don't oh, feign the going.
1: enthusiasm. Don't feign the enthusiasm. All oh, that. Yeah yeah yeah. That's great.
0: No no no. I like his designs. I was very interested in it uh, when it came out. I mean, it's just we didn't know anybody that had it.
1: Well, so we had to buy our games. That's really shallow of
0: us, but that's no, no, okay. No, no, I'm not <laughs> saying that. No. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just saying none of our friends bought it either. It's like nobody around here I knew ha- had the game. I love his stuff. Didn't he make a Kanban? Sure. I don't remember. Man. Oh, my I gosh. I said that and it is probably totally wrong. I get Vital Lacerda and, and Fister confused a lot in their games because i like both of their games yeah i think you're right it was somebody else oh are we going to wrap this thing up because i no, no i got to correct myself now i'm checking it is lacerda see i i i some reason get those two great western
1: trail wasn't it
0: great western trail thank you thank you i was because they both came from um a stronghold games Mm -hmm. and they came around the same time kanban and no that's a lie that great Western. Gr- Grayson Trail came around terraforming Mars. You know what? It is getting late. I'm all screwed up right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm done. Are you done? Because hey, I've got to go over and check my board game geek. Play
1: by forum RPG. Dour Grim Max is alive and well, and he's playing again. Sweet. I know. I'm very excited about that. Appreciate them.
0: So for those who backed our pod pledge campaign for uh, the RPG night. Uh, how is that
1: going? I'm reading a lot of books and planning. I've downloaded the emails. People should be getting
0: an email this week from me trying to set up times. The problem is, Tonys, we do have to find another solution for hooking up because guess what? Google shut down Hangouts. So we're going to have to find another way to kind of uh, hook up and get that working.
1: Well, I don't understand that. Google chat is still, or Google Hangout chat is still going to work. We're, we're on Hangout right now.
0: That's true. I, I don't know what the limit is. There is something that, that just doesn't work anymore.
1: So we'll figure it out. I'm not worried about that. We can go old school. We can do it by paper.
0: <laughs> by mail? By mail,
1: yes. We'll do a, we'll do a mail-in one. Either way, I've got to go over there and hit a few roll buttons. But for your games, be sure to keep rolling dice.
0: And taking names. Thanks again for listening. If you want to, you can follow us on Twitter, at Dyson Names, on Instagram, Dyson Names, or you could join our BGG Guild, 1589, like us on Facebook, and if you want to, you can support us at podpledge.com. Episode 179. Okay. 179.
1: glasses on your head
0: <clears throat> we just got our
1: stinger <laughs> If you didn't hear me mention it on the show, be sure to catch miniaturemarket.com for all your gaming needs. That's right. Go over there and order some of the newest releases from Gen Con and get those pre-orders in. Get you a beautiful game bag or some plushy, puck plucky foam. What's that foam stuff called, Marty? Where you put miniatures in? Pluck foam. Mm -hmm. Some of the coolest stuff where you can pull out certain pieces of foam and mold it to the right pieces and hold them right there. And you can, oh shoot, rip out the whole thing, put a switch in there or who knows. Oh, dude that's
0: not a bad idea that's what i was saying and then you could do it for your like your power cord oh my gosh yes and your joy cons and your controllers look at you
1: i know get you some of that plucky foam or pluck foam or whatever you want to call it that's at miniaturemarket.com